live, interactive, family-friendly shows. Welcome to Family Fun Experience Theater. What can you expect? Well, game shows, family comedy, swashbuckling farces, holiday extravaganzas, birthday parties plus superheroes, sci-fi and musical specials. Expect something new and fun every week year-round. Relaxing, comfortable couch seating with views overlooking the Virginia Beach Oceanfront with plenty of fun snacks and drinks to enjoy. FFX's unique brand of family-friendly fun has the whole audience playing along from kids and teens to grandma and gramps. No kids? No problem. Whatever your age, our middle name is F-U-N. So what are you waiting for? Head over to FFXshow.org and get your tickets right now. Well, Liz, here we are. The big moment of truth. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Let's do this. <laughs> Troy, keep up, girls. Told you, Izzy. Sometimes you just gotta think bigger. <sighs> it sure is good to be back. Lucifer. I am. I thought it was time. We had another conversation. Want to hear about how lost and stubborn your precious creation has become? You have tried over and over again to muddy those waters, to cloud their understanding of my perfect love. My goal isn't to get them to be with me. My goal is to keep them from being with you. Your time of destruction is coming to an end. Why? Why? Jesus, my son. Move of my spirit is powerful, and there is nothing you can do to stop it. Oh, but I have, over and over again. I have used so many to stop you. Oh, so that's why my church no longer exists? No, I did. I, I stopped what could have been. <laughs> I think our little chat has come to an end. everybody we are here at the Noah's Ark or the Ark Encounter and we're here with Terry Mortensen Dr. Terry Mortensen correct yeah all right so uh you're going to talk to us a little bit about you're going to talk to us <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about uh you know the history of the Ark how it came to be I know I got to, to go to the Creation Museum and see you know uh see it kind of go up in speed but tell us a little bit of story about how this came to be well, uh, Ken Ham is from Australia. He's the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis and the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. And when he was in Australia, he and a, and a, a friend prayed over a piece of ground there to build a creation museum. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't where God wanted him to build a creation museum. So right. They, he came to the United States to help uh, awaken the church to the truth of Genesis. And... Uh, very soon after the, the burden and the vision to build the museum uh, developed in his mind, the idea of building an ark, life-size ark, developed. And so uh, I don't know the exact historical sequence yeah. if that idea was pretty well fleshed out in his mind when the, ark, or when the museum opened or before that. But anyway, it was it was definitely in. yeah. And then and so, like when you, like, what was your first when you found out about this concept? What was your first thoughts? 
Well, I thought, wow, uh, <laughs> that's that's going to be really big, and uh, you know, will will people come? Yeah, and, yeah. So, yeah, I I wouldn't have been able to uh, cast this vision because I don't have enough faith. Oh, because <laughs> but uh, the, yeah. the detail. Now they just followed the details of the scripture to get the exact design. As much, well, the design we don't know what the ark looked like. Uh, but the Bible gives us the dimensions, and in the Bible, there's there's a, a kind of a normal cubit, and then there's a royal cubit. It's a little bit longer, so we went with the longer cubit to, to make this uh, full size, and then uh, we, as we thought about how many animals are going in the ark, we the biologists are 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 grouped into two categories, splitters and and uh, uniters. Gotcha. And so we thought, well, we're going to make it as hard as we can for Noah. We're going to try to get the number as high as we can of the number of kinds of land animals and birds yeah. that went onto the ark. And so that's that's what we've done. We've tried to make this as difficult as possible. Well, what, what, more believable. What's so interesting, too, is that, that you guys decided to go ahead and add like that there was civilization, you know, uh, even before Noah, like, 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 at, like before and like not after Noah, but like before Noah, because a lot of times people think that the claim that Christians are making is that Christianity was first. And it's the only like you guys really cleared that up. You oh, did, yeah. That was not on purpose. Well, the, the Bible clearly says that from the time of Adam to Noah was about 1,600 years, and uh, they were building cities, they were developing mining and metallurgy, Genesis 4 says, they were inventing musical instruments. So if you're digging in the ground looking for metals, uh, I have a PhD, but I wouldn't know how to do that. Right, right, right. So they were not stupid people, like the evolutionists want us to picture cavemen that just grunting and... Well, so I, I've, I've always had a problem, and I, and I said this uh, in the last interview, that I've always had a problem with our modern arrogance towards ancient civilizations. I mean, we're still trying to figure out how they made the pyramids. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so it's very offensive to me when I hear us talk about the past as if, you know, I mean, I know the iPhone's awesome, but, but it's not the pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> it's not on the level of the pyramid. So what, what is, what, what would you say to, because I know that that there's so many different denominations, so many different belief systems. You know, you, what is the focus here to just establish the the concept of Genesis, and then and not get involved in the denominational conversation? Yeah, we don't we don't get into uh, denominational differences. We're a non-denominational uh, ministry, and we have staff that go to different churches. So I love it. Uh, Do you struggle with leading your family in regular Bible devotions? I sure did. My wife and I have seven kids, age 12 and younger, and I found it tough to find the time and energy. So I built an app called Actors Bible to help me disciple my family through role-playing the Bible in an interactive, participational, exciting, and discovery-based way. It includes the entire Bible as a script, broken up into 62 acts, 833 scenes. It scrolls as a teleprompter with 360-degree visuals of the Holy Lands where the stories took place and epic soundtracks. My family casts parts, listens to the audio drama, and then launches the teleprompter which spoon-feeds us our lines. We screen share it to our living room TV, and the Bible comes to life each and every time in our home. 
At the end of every scene, the software asked each casted player what they learned about God and the main characters, as well as what they will commit to obeying and or changing, thus directly applying the story to their lives as the Holy Spirit reveals. We get points and title increases as we progress, with the goal of going through the entire Bible in one to three years. This really helps us stay consistent. I have seen my whole family transformed, especially myself, with just 15 minutes a day. We also do this in concert with other families too, all individually going through Actors Bible scene by scene for family devotions. All the families then gather together, cast parts, rehearse a few times, and then present the multiple scenes back to back for an evangelistic outreach performance for our communities. Actors Bible will transform your family Bible time and help you reach your community too. Try it for free today. Uh, but what we're trying to present to people is what the Bible actually says about the ark, the flood. This was a real historical event. There are good biblical reasons right. to take Genesis as literal history, not a fairy tale or make-believe. Which, by the way, I got to say, even even as a child, uh, you know, it's it's... It's so hard when you have the cartoon books, and then you, then they present it. No, this one's real. And you see the cartoon characters, and the animals are smiling. Floating bathtubs. Yeah, yeah, floating bathtubs. And it's just like, okay, now you like, but actually being here and seeing it, you know what I mean? Uh, it, it does really help bring it to life outside of the imagination. But because of that, I do have to ask, because we have a big atheist audience, and I do have to ask this, like, where is the evidence that there was a flood? And does any other religion, any other culture speak of a flood? Well, yeah, actually there's over 200 stories in the cultures of the various people group of a, a flood, a great flood. And many of those stories say it was uh, over the whole earth. And we've actually got a display in the ark. Uh, where we talk about the different flood traditions and some of those traditions actually uh, describe the, the shape or the dimensions of the ark in their story and we show pictures of what those arcs looked like and show that they would never have survived a flood. They, wow. were, they would have been tipped over, rolled. Um, I, I heard a, a story from somebody in Australia who told me about an Australian atheist uh, engineer, naval engineer, and uh, somebody was witnessing to him and challenged him to read the Bible. And so he's like, like any reader, you'd start on page one. You know? Right, right, so right. He started reading Genesis, and he got to the account of Noah's flood in Genesis six to eight. And uh, he later told, um, after he came to faith in Christ, that that description of the ark, the dimensions given. He knew instantly this is a historical account because those dimensions are uh, length width height are the same ratios of modern seagoing. Yeah, uh, of modern. Wow. And so it would have provided. And there was a, a group of Korean scientists who uh, did lab experiments with models of different shapes and sizes of arcs. And they found that the dimensions that given in the Bible would have provided maximum stability, maximum strength, and maximum comfort. Right. So there's lots of uh, cultural evidence for the global. But I have to ask you this though, like, because so, because again, the, with the atheist audience, you know, you know, if God is so good, 
then why flood the earth? Because God is not just good. He's holy. Or put it another way, he is so good, he cannot tolerate sin. Yeah. And so he sent the flood as a judgment against a wicked world. And he will come again. Uh, Jesus Christ will come again and he will judge the world. The Bible says the next time by fire. But he is a holy God. He is a loving God. He is a merciful God. But he shows mercies to those who come to him humbly uh, and and receive his gift of salvation, which is uh, the, yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ. And the ark is He's a, a prophetic foreshadow. Yeah, yeah. You know. And and I, I do I I I do have to ask the body of Christ to tell the whole story because what's happened is that we have I believe that we've hurt people by just saying God is good and then not including the holy, not exactly. included. And I, th- and I think it's done an injustice to a lot of people because because yeah. what the pushback is, if God is so good, then why did this happen? But we haven't really talked about the other parts of God, right. the justice, the, the royalty, that he's a king. And I know we're in America and that we have a problem with sovereignty. This is the king of the universe we're right. talking about. Right. And so we got to be able to keep that in perspective. So I do thank you so much for answering that so straightforwardly because uh, I think we've tiptoed around that subject. Uh, and, 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 and with that being said, uh, where do you stand on when Jesus says in the last days it'll be like the days of Noah? Well, we agree. And in that passage, he clearly affirmed Noah's flood. He said... It will be like the days of, Je- of Noah when the flood came and took them all away. Right. Uh, so Jesus clearly... He said we were having a good time. Yeah, and he, and he said, he said they, you know, they were saved in the ark. So uh, Jesus clearly took the account in Genesis as literal history. And he said that's a warning of the judgment to come. When hope was all we had, it comforted us, inspired us, convicted us and set us free. This summer, celebrate safely at the only place dedicated entirely to the one book that continues to bring our nation healing, strength, and hope. Museum of the Bible. Tickets available now. Now, you know, we talked about the the fact that God is holy. He also revealed his holiness before the flood when Adam and Eve sinned. They rebelled against God, and God judged Adam and Eve, but he also judged the whole creation. He cursed the creation so that death and disease and suffering would come into the world. So people, you know, coming back to your question, people often say, well, if there's a loving, all-powerful, good God, why is there death and suffering in the world? Well, the reason is because of Adam's sin and our own sin and uh, and God's curse on the creation. So he's he's holy. But he in that very chapter three of Genesis, he promised a savior. Right. And then he gives more promises as the Old Testament unfolds. You know, what I think is interesting about that is that. In, in, in modern culture, we treat grace as a New Testament concept, yeah. but it was there. It was, with there. The, it was with Noah. Technically, it was there even when he covered us with yeah. in, in the sacrifice yeah. with Adam and Eve. You know, he covered the the uh, Adam and Eve with animal skin. That was also an act of grace. But but we also see grace clearly spoken with Noah. Why is the story of Noah so mishandled? 
Well, it's because uh, for the last 200 years, the scientific community has been controlled by an atheist worldview. And they've said, the rocks and the fossils are millions of years old. Uh, Genesis is not true. The universe is a result of a big bang. The plants and the animals and the people are the result of millions of years of biological evolution. Uh, and so that's been, that's been brainwashed into the, yeah. into the mind of the world in virtually every country, every public school, every yeah. university, and in a lot of Christian universities. They're teaching that this is science, but what well, we show is it's not science. Well, what, like, where's, where, I, I, see, I feel like this is the pushback. I feel like this is the pushback sure. to that. And, and why is it taking so long? Why do you think it's taking so long for us to, to finally respond to the... Yeah. Well, it's it's the power of of uh, peer pressure, cultural yeah, pressure. Cultural and the pressure. The Bible talks about that. The fear of man. Yeah. And uh, nobody wants to be called stupid or unscientific. But when people use that kind of language, they're not responding to an argument. They're attacking a person. Right. You know. So Richard Dawkins is maybe the most famous atheist. An evolutionist. I would never say Richard Dawkins is stupid. Right. He is a smart man. I'm sure he's smarter than me. But he is wrong. He's he's right. sinful. Not because I know personally from knowing him, but because the Bible says we're all sinners. We've all rebelled against God. And so and the Bible says that the fool says in his heart there is no God. So right. That's God's judgment. And I want to be totally honest with you. When I first walked up and saw it, the first thing that came to my mind was we didn't deserve this. Yeah. And the reason why is because before I saw that grace in the scripture, I also saw that we're the only creatures, not even Lucifer, we're the only creatures where it says that it grieved God at his heart that he even made us. And all I could think about was this is literally a physical example of God's grace mm -hmm. and we don't deserve it. Right. You know what I mean? But he gave it to us and, and then I start comparing this to the cross and I'm like, so then there's thousands of years in between this and Christ and yet to me it's like, wow, he, he carried his grace and grief at the same time yep. until... Christ, uh, and now as the Bible tells us that the earth is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to rise up, yeah. and that's that's why I feel like this is a call to action for men and women of God to support financially, to support by coming, uh, and the fact that you guys are inviting all denominations. I've seen people, believers from all walks of life and here. And non-believers. Right. We want skeptics to come. Oh. We, we want people who are Muslim or Hindu or Jewish to come because this really happened. There really was a flood and the whole world's population is a result of people who were the children of Noah and his family, who were the children of children, children, yeah, yeah, yeah. children. And the nations, uh, the different nations arose as a result of the Tower of Babel, which was right. about 200 years after the flood. And uh, so that I, was do, I do want to ask you this, though, because this, a lot of people want to, after the flood, how do we end up right back in sin, though? Hi, I'm Robert Shepard. America has approximately 580,000 homeless people. My area of Virginia estimates 5,783 people living on the streets. 
A Google search can show the homeless number in your state. You can make a difference. Please send a message that God loves the homeless and has not forgotten them. Go to www.comingsoonjesus.org and click on Fundraising. Purchase the Coming Soon Jesus t-shirt or hoodie. The CSJ team delivers the shirts and hoodies to homeless shelters, churches, and even directly to the homeless. Together, we can make a difference. Together, we can help the homeless. Please go to www.comingsoonjesus.org. Purchase a t-shirt or hoodie for the homeless today. God bless you as you bless the homeless. Because the human heart is sinful. We're, we're born in sin, the Bible says. So God didn't fix that with Noah. He didn't fix that with Noah. Uh, he fixed it with Jesus Christ. Uh, did you guys catch that? That was good. That was he, good. He, he's, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come into the world as a, a little baby, born of a virgin, into a world that was hostile to him, yeah. into a world where King Herod wanted to murder him. He right. wasn't even two. Right. Um, and uh, his own people, the Jewish people, rejected him. And The, the reason why I ask that is because I've had this conversation with so many atheists, and the conversation that they have, the thing that they say to me is that if Noah was a true story, then... Then three or four days after the flood comes out, after they they hit land, the first thing he does is get drunk, and he's already cursing his son. And I think that I think he wasn't cursing in terms of foul language. Right, right. Okay. But we need to we need to ask. Well, why was he drunk? It's very possible that the flood caused such a significant change in the earth. The water is not safe. Well, not that it wasn't safe, but that. Fermentation processes happened faster than before the flood, or what? There might be oh, reasons wow. where he didn't intentionally, you know, drink too much. Right. So we we can't presume. I, I just noticed how profound. Like the arguments are always again attacking the person. Like, yeah. oh, if Noah was a true story, and then why does he just right? Why would he do this? Why would he do this? Why why would he do this? Why would he do that? You know, it doesn't say he went to the local beer well. hall. And, <laughs> And overdrank. So, 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 I want everybody to be clear about this: uh, is that when when God saved Noah, He saved him, but He didn't change him. So, this is the same guy that could have technically he could have been in the flood. He could have been another person. Except God says he was a righteous man. God says he was righteous. He wasn't righteous enough to save himself. Right. But um, he was in a very wicked world. He was a righteous man. Yeah, and he still was afterwards. Right, and and but so he was still a sinner. When you look at this situation, so no way is the is the Ark encounter saying that you know the, the Hebrew history comes first and was part like they're legitimately saying that there were other cultures first. The flood happens, and it, it, that's it, you know everyone has their own version of how it happened. Because I don't know that there were. I, I we can't say how diverse the people were uh, before the flood. Right. Um, they were certainly living in cities, so they didn't all live together. Right. But they might have developed some animosity for somebody else in another city. Absolutely. Well, actually, they did, because the Bible says <laughs> the world was exceedingly wicked. So 
But when we talk about the modern people groups and the difference in the shades of brown skin color, your skin a little darker than my skin. Right. We uh, modern creationists who, who study biology and genetics think that all of that is the result of the Tower of Babel when God uh, divided the people with different languages. He divided the the genetic information right. in, the, in the human genome and features that were recessive hidden characteristics in a, in a group of, of people all living together became distinctive characteristics as people separated. Yeah, because I mean, once you can't understand each other, it's just going to go on from yeah. there. And I can totally see how, you know, being scattered and going in different directions, I mean, that that's probably a terrifying day. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that, that you know, <laughs> it's probably not a fun day. Yeah, and but so, the Bible also says in Genesis 10, uh, talking about that, that God divided the people according to their families. So he didn't give dad one language and mom a different right. language and son a different language. So as as people with uh, family relations, they're marrying within their families, they're, then certain distinctive characteristics. Are absolutely, absolutely. Now, now I, I, I do think that this is important because I notice that a lot of people make, uh, they really, especially New Testament believers only, you know, like, they want to say the Old Testament is no longer valuable. How do you feel about that? No, the Old Testament is foundational to understanding the New Testament. Okay. The New Testament writers are constantly quoting from the Old Testament. The whole book of Hebrews says that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial system. And so as one uh, Bible scholar, don't know who was the first one to say this, uh, summarize it, he says... Uh, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old, Old Testament, Testament revealed. Current FM has good news. The FCC has approved our application to triple our radio signal. We get to go up in power. We've been praying for this for so long, but we can't do this without your help. We are asking you to help fund this power increase as we'll need to buy a bigger transmitter and antenna. The price for these items alone will be approximately $75,000. Can you help us reach the amount needed so we can quickly get the power increase up and going? You can easily donate securely online at CurrentFM.com. You can also send in a check to Current FM, 3500 Virginia Beach Boulevard, Suite 201, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23452. We are nonprofit and tax deductible. It's because of your prayers that we received favor from the FCC, and we can't thank you enough for those prayers and for your financial support through the years. Help Current FM in reaching more people and seeing more lives changed in the years ahead. Want to see some dinosaurs? Unbelievable. Want to see Eden? Come on, it's almost time for the show. This is the Creation Museum. Prepare to believe.